Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have a lot of stuff to cover in this episode. I'm recording it on Wednesday, May 8th of 2019, and we'll see if we can get through all of this stuff. There's a lot of tips in this episode, just cool little things that people in the SEO community have tweeted about that uh, we think everybody can use to help improve their websites. We're going to talk about what seems to be a relatively significant algorithm update. Um, Not a lot of people are talking about this, but definitely something happened last week. We'll talk about Google using the latest version of Chrome now. There's some new news that's come out from Google I.O. conference. Uh, We're going to give a little neat tip on EAT. Um, Talk about, there's been a bit of discussion about some people are getting manual actions and getting example links from Google that actually are truly natural links, such as uh, comments on Reddit that were truly natural. So we'll talk about what that means. Um, And I'm probably going to end this with my thoughts on the latest SEO contest by Wix. This is really interesting, so stay tuned for that. Um, So let's get started first about algorithm updates. Uh, When we do our algo update checks, we look at all of our past clients and we say, was there a particular day on which one of these clients or most of these clients saw uh, significant changes either up or down? And um, it was really interesting this time. There was a very clear change uh, sometime between the end of April and the beginning of May. So I I would say April 27th to May 1st of 2019, we saw a lot of sites that saw either increases or decreases. Um, Happily for us, most of those sites were increases, although not all of them. One of my own sites, which has been sorely neglected and uh, has not been updated for many years, uh, saw a quality hit. I'm pretty sure it's a quality hit. Um, But thankfully, most of our clients that have been working on overall quality changes are seeing some improvements. Um, I gave a couple of examples in the newsletter of sites that are are seeing, you know, a little bit of a a boost. Um, We don't have any clients that saw massive, massive um, increases at this time. But there's a very clear pattern that around, I would say, April 28th or so, Google made some sort of change in the way that they assess quality. Now, it's possible that they just reassessed EAT signals. Uh, I really feel like pretty much every significant algorithm update we've had since early 2017 has been in some way connected to EAT. Um, And so if you were hit with this algorithm update, if you saw traffic drops at the end of April or beginning of May, then I would be looking at the quality raters guidelines. I know I'm probably sounding a little bit like a broken record saying this pretty much every episode. Um, But here's something interesting. One of the things that we noticed in sites that saw improvements uh, was that a lot of our clients that have been really working on improving thin content saw improvements at this time. Um, it definitely, I mean, most of our clients, when sites come to us, uh, we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what parts of the site could be considered thin by Google. Um, and we make recommendations on, should you be removing this content? Should you be improving it? You know, is it practically possible for you to actually improve the content, um, you know, rather than uh, removing it? And a lot of our clients that have been working on this kind of thing saw some improvements with this update. The other interesting thing that we're noticing is that um, a number of our clients for whom we had recently filed a disavow uh, saw some type of an improvement at this time as well. Um, We had one client that we recommended filing a very thorough disavow. They had a lot of unnatural links in their profile. Uh, They did not file a disavow, um, you know, as we had recommended and, uh, and they saw some drops. 
at this time. So I do think that there's a link component to this update. Uh, a couple of sites in our profile that have seen some drops, we know that they're using unnatural links, um, not on our recommendation, but we, you know, we do consult with a lot of uh, uh, ranging colors of hats. And so even though we recommend white hat stuff, um, we've worked with some black hats that uh, are really using, you know, PBNs. And hey, if you're a black hat and you want to see, you think you've got a PBN that Google can't find, you can pay us to consult and we'll see if we can find it. You know, if, if we can find your PBNs, probably Google can find them too. Um, so there were a couple of sites in our profile that uh, did not take our advice in removing unnatural links or stopping unnatural link building practices. And some of these sites are seeing uh, some drops in the last week or so. So we think that there was a link related update uh, at this time. One really interesting case of uh, a site that seems to be seeing significant improvements is a site that um, came to us a little while ago. And we noted that their authors had a lot of E and A, so expertise and authoritativeness. But one of their authors had significant trust issues. Issues. Uh, the author um, essentially had been accused of some bad stuff around fraud, basically. Um, and this was not a trustworthy author, even though this person was skilled um, in terms of expertise and uh, was quoted all over the place as authoritative. But we thought that Google could pick up on these negative signals and that users would not want to read content from this person who has been essentially established as um, fraudulent. So we had them completely disengaged engage from this person. They removed this person from their website. Uh, they had most of their posts rewritten or at least reworded somewhat by um, an author who didn't quite have the same authority, but had no trust issues. And this site is seeing significant improvements with this most recent update. So I think that this update was mostly about trust. I think that's very similar. If you're looking for information on you know, what could be considered trust, you can go to mariehaines.com slash trust and you'll get uh, sent to the article that we wrote on the September 27th, 2018 algorithm update. There's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of it's based on information from the quality raters guidelines. Um, but if you were negatively affected at this point, I think trust is a big component and link trust is certainly uh, a component of trust in my opinion. If you um, feel like you've dropped and maybe link trust is an issue, then what we're seeing is disavowing those links that are very obviously there for SEO reasons can within one to two months can usually start um, causing an improvement in rankings, assuming that your site actually has good links to go along with those unnatural ones. Um, so I think Google is going to be continually working on the way that they assess trust and really our goals as SEOs, you know, many years ago, SEOs would have a goal of, you know, how can I trick Google into thinking that our site is better than everyone else's? And uh, again, I probably sound like a broken record because I say this so often. Our goal as SEOs now should be to say, how can we actually be better than everybody else? Um, and so that our users, as well as Google, consider us the best option. Um, and so, you know, if you are an SEO that is able to do that, to help people to um, become higher quality, to become more useful than competitors, then you're probably going to be a very successful SEO. Uh, it's something that I think some people have the aptitude for and others are still trying to rely on tricks and loopholes that no longer work or they only work in the hands of somebody who really 
really has been manipulating Google for a long time. And even then, I think they're going to stop working soon. The vast majority of those things. Um, Google has announced some new reports in Search Console. There's some new structured data reports. Uh, one of them is for what's called unparsable structured data. It's essentially structured data errors. I haven't spent a lot of time digging into this. Uh, there's also some new enhancement reports. Uh, so if you are using something like recipe schema, event schema, job postings, um, there's also a site links uh, section. I haven't looked at that. I'm wondering if that will eventually allow us to choose our site links again. You remember how a while back... Um, it used to be that in Search Console, you could say, hey, Google, you've chosen this site link for us and we really uh, don't want it. You know, that's a page that's not important to us. Um, and you could actually de, um, what do I want to say, um, deselect uh, a site link that Google would show you. Um, and they took that option away, I want to say, like maybe three years ago or so. Uh, be, I, I doubt it's coming back, but I'm going to take a look at that at some point and see if that's actually the case. Um, but those of you who are using structured data would which should be most of you. Uh, and if you're not, you should be learning more about structured data because it's one of the best ways to show search engines what your content is about and what your entities are and why people should trust you as a legitimate business. Um, so if you're using structured data, you should be checking out these new reports in Search Console. Uh, new from Google I.O. this week. Now, Google I.O., as I'm recording this, the conference is currently going on. So we're actually a little bit later today in producing our newsletter because we kept jamming in stuff that we were finding at this conference. Um, and we're going to have more of it in our next week's newsletter as well. Uh, those of you who are new to the newsletter, you can find it at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. So probably the biggest news that's come out of Google I.O. so far is that Googlebot is now using the latest version of Chromium. So it used to be in the past, I think Google was using, oh gosh, was it Chrome 41? Um, and Chrome is currently on 74. I think there were some tests I talked about recently that showed like maybe some aspects of Chrome uh, Google was crawling with um, as, as late as Chrome 69, I think. Um, the point is, we used to tell people, look, if you have content that has to be rendered by Google in order to be understood, you have to be really careful with that because what might look normal in the current browser of Chrome um, might not look normal in old versions. And this is mostly a case for sites that are using fancy stuff. So fancy JavaScript to display things, um, fancy tools that maybe Google's just having a hard time figuring out. So we've got some interesting stuff about this. Um, it's One thing to know is that this is new and it's going to take a while to propagate across all of Google's properties. So some people have pointed out that uh, the mobile friendly test and some other tests from Google um, are very clearly still rendering pages with old versions of Chrome. Um, Martin Split from Google who is uh, basically teaching uh, webmasters about JavaScript and uh, things like that. He's got some really good comments that we've included in the newsletter. Uh, I'll, I'll put a, a few things here for you. Um, basically he said that um, when a new version of Chrome comes out, it's going to take about a few weeks for Googlebot to start using that version. So that's one thing to know. Um, next thing to know is that uh, you may be seeing in your server logs the old version 
of Chrome. Uh, I believe it's Chrome 41 that most people see Googlebot has been crawling your site as Chrome uh, 41, um, trying to use that to render your site. And uh, it's a bit confusing, but Martin had said that the user agent name that you're seeing in your logs is going to be wrong because they didn't want to affect things for people that have hard-coded things into... um, their software for old versions of Googlebot. So they're taking time to make it so that uh, the logs correctly reflect what uh, Google is actually crawling as. Um, And, you know, there's some other information in the newsletter. I think we'll move on because we've got a lot of stuff to cover here. But that's really uh, an interesting thing now. I think it's mostly important for those of you who are using fancy stuff in terms of JavaScript on your sites. Those of you who have podcasts, there's a new thing announced at I.O. that Google is going to start taking information from podcasts, snippets from podcasts, and return them as search results. I think that's kind of cool. So, for example... This is going to be really meta. If you were doing a search for the fact that Google starts indexing podcasts um, and content from podcasts, there's a possibility that uh, what I'm speaking right now could end up as a search result for you. And I think that's kind of cool. You know, um, we produce a lot of content in the in the form of uh, voice or video, um, and we try to work hard to transcribe as much of this as we can, but um, you don't always have to do that now. And it'll be interesting to see how Google pulls this information out um, and whether it will be helpful to people. However, when this came up, some of my team had a good point. Um, I mean, in podcasts, a lot of podcasts are sponsored. And, uh, you know, if your podcast has advertisements in it, or for example, you know, at the end of this podcast, I'll probably give out some sort of call to action and say, hey, if you want a site review, then uh, here's how you contact us. Of course, people who are just seeing that snippet of text from uh, just this section of the podcast are not going to hear my calls to action. Um, The reasons why I create the podcast. I mean, as much as my heart loves teaching you about SEO, we do it for business reasons, right? We get clients from this. We get to help a lot of people with this. So it'll be interesting to see what this does in terms of uh, revenue for those who are publishing podcasts. Uh, I think it's just something at this point for all of us who have clients who have podcasts to pay attention to. I would imagine um, this is something that eventually would be in Search Console and probably eventually we'll start looking at our Search Console and say, ah, you know, our podcast episodes that talk about this are getting organic views and, uh, you know, but most people have questions about this and we're not covering that. And so we're going to probably modify the content that's in the podcast based on, um, you know, search things that we, data that we can get from Search Console. That's that's pretty exciting for me. It was a neat tweet by uh, Glenn Gabe on... Um, there's a, actually, there's a blog post that Google put out about how news works on Google. Um, and it's pretty cool. It just talks about uh, how Google News kind of determines um, where they get their news and what is high quality news. Uh, and so Glenn tweeted, Glenn Gabe tweeted this uh, thing about EAT. So I'm going to read this. This is um, in the section on Google News uh, from this blog post. And it's titled Authoritativeness. Authoritativeness signals help prioritize high-quality information from the most reliable sources available. To do this, our systems are designed to identify signals that can help determine which pages demonstrate expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, so EAT, on a given topic based, here's the key part, based on feedback from search raters. 
Interesting, right? Search quality guidelines. Um, now, they're not saying that the search raters are going to manually review every single news story and say, oh, this one better answers the query. No, what the search quality raters do is um, they look at examples. Uh, and so the let's say the Google engineers in terms of Google News are saying, oh, we keep getting sites ranking with this fake news about something. And, um, and so they tweak the algorithm so that that doesn't happen so much. The quality raters look at the new results and their feedback will say whether... Uh, the engineers have done a good enough job or not. So going back to um, this post by Google, it says those signals, so EAT, can include whether other people value the source for similar queries or whether other prominent websites on the subject link to the story. So links have always been important. They're going to be important probably for as long as Google is around, unless something drastic changes in the next few years. Um, but it's very important that what they're looking at here is not just random links to your website, but recommendations from other experts. And this is something I'm going to be speaking on. Uh, I'm going to be in Florida at LaunchCon um, uh, in a couple of days, actually. And I'm going to be speaking on um, this actual thing where how does Google determine if you're an expert? Uh, and a lot of the news is talking about the things that come out of Google is saying, look, do other experts call you expert? <laughs> then you're an expert. Um, and that uh, seems silly, but it's true, right? I mean, if other SEO experts are quoting me all the time, there's a good chance that I'm an expert as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, the client that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to do some discussion on, you know, uh, this particular uh, one of our clients has... Um, hired some physicians to actually uh, fact check their documents, which is really, really good. And if you can't get a doctor, you know, to actually write your medical content, assuming you have medical content, having one fact check it can be really, really helpful. And we've seen sites make improvements that we think are related to EAT by doing this. However, it's not enough for your doctors to just, um, you know, have been practicing for a certain number of years. They have to be known online. Um, and what we could find in, uh, you know, for this particular client we're talking about is that the competitors who are ranking well, if you search for their author's names, they're very clearly seen as experts in their subject area. Um, whereas this site, yes, they have doctors, but they're not clearly known as experts. So um, this is why we included this in newsletter is that this is important, whether it's Google News or whether you're just trying to rank on organic searches as well, uh, that your authors, if you are your money or your life site, your authors have to be recognized as experts uh, if their content is going to rank well, for the most part. Um, other stuff coming out of uh, Google I.O., there's been some really um, great tweets by Ashley Berman-Hale. Uh, Ashley tweeted about, um, and we hinted about this before, but Chrome is now going to add a really easy way to lazy load images. It's essentially in your source code, you add um, you know how you have image source equals and the alt equals. Uh, there's going to be another section where you can put loading equals lazy. Uh, and then Chrome will just lazy load it. It's like the easiest code. I could write that Jeff, that code. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, very simple for people and make the web a better place, I think. Um, another thing that Ashley tweeted about is that Chrome is going to change so that we will no longer see HTTPS or HTTP in the URL browser, the bar. Um, instead, uh, what they're going to do is um, take away the HTTP 
or HTTPS and uh, simply just put an alert when a site is basically not secure. Um, so that's uh, that's no surprise. I think we've been saying for a while that this is eventually going to happen. Um, at this point in age, if you're not HTTPS, you're probably going to be lacking behind um, other sites because users are starting to recognize, you know, very few people will give credit card information to a non-secure site. Um, and users are starting to kind of clue in that secure sites tend to be more trustworthy sites. Um, so I, I definitely, I know in the years past, I've been a little bit hesitant to recommend some people people making a switch to HTTPS. And this was mostly based on the fact that uh, I'm biased because I see the cases that go wrong. Um, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong if you're migrating to HTTPS. Um, so if you are considering it, I would say yes, you need to go ahead with it. But you really should be consulting with somebody who has done HTTPS migrations before. Um, and that should minimize the chances of uh, something going wrong with the migration. We talked last week about the fact that a bunch of sites that had manual actions had those actions disappear. Um, I have good or bad news for you. Those actions are back again. Uh, so this was a bug on Google's side. Another bug. Honestly, I said this last week, but I really think that um, Google has majorly changed their engine somehow. Um, it almost feels to me like they just recoded everything in a different language or something, and, and uh, a lot of different things are breaking. Um, so it's hard to say exactly what happened, but uh, every site that we had in our profile that we've been uh, working on removing manual actions for um, that saw those disappear, they're all back again. So um, coincidentally, uh, Google is giving out more manual actions now. We're getting more and more requests for helps with unnatural links. Um, and if you have reached out to us in the past to get a penalty removed, uh, we've been not taking clients for a while simply because um, we just uh, don't have the capacity for it or we didn't have the capacity. Um, but we've got uh, a couple of people on our team now that are really, really good and experienced in uh, removing manual actions. And so we are taking on new clients again. So if you have um, a site that you're really struggling with a challenging manual action, we can either remove it for you or uh, we can consult with you and help you do the work to get it removed. So um, feel free to reach out to us at mariehaines.com slash uh, contact or uh, help at mariehaines.com and you'll uh, you'll reach my team and we can get you set up there. Uh, let's see a couple more things. A few people have been noticing that uh, they're getting results uh, that say, hmm, the search results for your search don't seem, oh, the results for your search don't seem very relevant. I'm not sure if this is part of a tool or a Chrome extension or a bug. It could just be another Google bug. So if you see this, you're not alone. There's lots of people that are seeing it. Uh, I bet you it'll resolve in no time. Uh, this was an interesting thing that Izzy Smith pointed out. Uh, Izzy's been doing a lot of work in terms of featured snippets. And uh, she noted now that, because um, we've always said in the past that featured snippets are going to be of one certain type. So it could be a paragraph, it could be a table, it could be a list. And now what she's seeing is combos. So uh, she gave an example where there's a paragraph that's followed by a table. Um, again, is this good? 
or is it bad? Uh, it could be good to get more of our information in the Google search results, uh, but it could be more likely that fewer people are going to click through to your website because there's more information in the featured snippets. So if you are working on sites that uh, get a lot of traffic from featured snippets, it's worthwhile taking a look at um, what's happening here. I'll, I'll, I've talked about this in past episodes too, but uh, two ways where you can find some of your featured snippets. If you are a uh, SEMrush subscriber, then they have a fairly decent section uh, on featured snippets for your site. They're not 100% accurate, uh, but you can often find featured snippets and you can find um, information that you could potentially win featured snippets from. So I really, really like that. I think Ahrefs has some good uh, tools around that too. I've used more of SEMrush for uh, for um, featured snippets. And then the other way is to actually do some searches in your Google Search Console keyword data. Um, and what you would do for that is search for questions. So search for why, how, <coughs> pardon me, how does, things like that. Um, and you'll find the questions that people are asking when they come to your site. And if you can answer those concisely, those are areas where you may have opportunity to win a featured snippet. Uh, Brody Clark asked, um, or I don't know if he asked, he tweeted uh, something that uh, Gary Ish said at um, SMS in Sydney, uh, talking about sitemaps. How important are sitemaps? So guess how much of discovery from Google do you think is attributed to Google finding your content by links and how much is by sitemap? Uh, I would have thought it was almost completely links. Um, and according to Gary, 80% basically is uh, Google discovers your content by finding following links and 20% is by sitemaps. I have to admit that I have not paid as much attention to sitemaps as I probably should have. Um, and that's something where I think, especially if you have a big and confusing site, then uh, sitemaps can really help Google find your content and it can help Google determine what your good content is, but it doesn't replace good internal linking structure. So um, good thing to know, but I think it's one more thing that we can do to sort of uh, tell Google where the important parts of our, um, our site are. Um, okay, let's talk about this case here where Charles Float posted about um, a colleague of his that got a manual action for unnatural links. And uh, I guess the colleague was pretty upset because Google gave some example links. And two of those example links were from Reddit comments. And apparently these comments were completely natural. It wasn't like the site owner was trying to build links to their site. Uh, it was somebody who was actually commenting about their website. So why did Google give these as examples of unnatural links? And I know a lot of the discussion on Twitter is uh, all about, you know, Google's got it wrong and unnatural links penalties are unfair because they can't figure out what's true and what's not. Um, and here's the thing. I think we're looking at things far too granularly. If we're taking a granular look at like, oh, this particular link, Google can't figure out that that's natural. That's not how it works in my opinion. Rather, look at the whole picture. So if a site is getting um, example links that are truly natural links, they're usually representative of other patterns. So I can guarantee you that this particular site, I mean, I haven't looked at it, but if I did, I can guarantee you that they have been using comment spam um, or something similar to Reddit. They've been using links that look very similar to the natural links that they're getting in, in order to build links for manipulating Google. And this is tricky, right? I had a case uh, many years ago. Um, I want to say, yeah, it was 2013. I worked with a fairly well-recognized brand who had a manual action for unnatural links. 
And uh, one of the, and we had a really hard time getting this penalty removed. And one, two of the unnatural links that they say sent us as examples were links from bloggers that we reached out to the blogger and we said, um, you know, could you tell us, did you get paid to do this? Did an SEO company approach you? And both of them said, no, we just love this company so much. We wanted to talk about how amazing they are. And I mean, that really does happen from time to time. The problem is that they had an outreach program um, that essentially paid paid people to do the same thing. And so Google couldn't tell the difference between which ones of these were paid and which ones were natural. So in this particular case, I gave the client two options. One was to tell Google that these links are natural links and we don't want to remove them. You know, we don't, we, we worked hard to have a good brand that people want to link out to naturally. So why would we remove these? And that kind of makes sense, right? Um, when I've done that in the past, uh, we almost always get the penalty removed. Um, however, this particular site decided they wanted to take the opposite track. And what they did was uh, remove or disavow absolutely everything uh, that could be considered unnatural. So if they had been using uh, low quality directories uh, and there were directories that I had labeled as like potentially low quality, but they were on the edge, they just said, let's remove those links. Um, and so we worked really hard to remove and, and disavow what we couldn't remove. And this, the reason why I'm talking about this is this particular site saw a, a massive increase. And they actually just saw an increase with um, the March 12th update. Um, and I think even the last week's one, which, you know, if link quality is a factor, this site has squeaky clean links now. We've done so much disavowing for them. Um, so my point is, if you get a manual action from Google and they're giving you links that don't make sense, then look at the bigger picture. Um, don't say, oh, the system's stupid and I refuse to do this because those sites that actually um, refuse to remove those links and, and still got their penalty lifted, I am betting you that they're algorithmically, uh, you know, Google's not trusting all their links. So um, if you've had a history of creating links for SEO, it can be really challenging to move forward from that. Uh, and I really really, really would encourage people if any of you are sort of on the fence about black hat versus white hat, uh, you know, and going down paths that you're not really comfortable with showing somebody from Google that you're doing this thing, I really would urge you to stay on the white hat side. Sometimes if you do things well, black hat wise, you can get good results, but they're almost always temporary. So, um, you know, if you are working on something that needs to stick around long term, it's much, much better to work on actual quality uh, than tricks and loopholes to try to trick Google. Um, we're almost finished here. Let's talk about a couple more things. This is really cool. Uh, another tip from Dan Schur. So Dan runs a fantastic podcast, Experts on the Wire. Uh, I was actually his first and his 100th uh, guest. I think I've been on one other time as well. I love this podcast. Uh, one of his podcast guests uh, was doing some SEO for himself, I suppose. And he wrote to Dan and said, this is silly, but could you uh, change the title tag of episode that I'm in um, and put my name at the front of the title tag. And so Dan did this. And then uh, Dan replied back saying um, within, uh, I can't remember what time frame, um, but this greatly improved the rankings for the podcast for this person's name. So does the order of keywords in a title tag matter? I did some tests on this a few years ago and it looked like 
it was there was a positive benefit to putting keywords at the beginning of your title tag in some cases, but not all. And I had some cases where content um, could rank just fine uh, if the keywords were elsewhere in the title tag. And even, you know, if there's no keywords, but there's synonyms, uh, Google can usually figure that out. But if you have content that, you know, you want to rank for a particular keyword and it makes sense to users to put that keyword near the start of the title tag, if you can do it in a way that doesn't read as spammy, that potentially could very quickly improve the, uh, the rankings for this, um, for that keyword. Interesting uh, tweet here, a cool tip from Lily Ray. So Lily has been talking a lot about EAT and quality raters guidelines. And uh, she, I think she's probably on the same page as us for most uh, most things around there. Um, she had a little tip where she said, look, if you Google your company's name plus scam and see legitimate results on page one, then that can Im- impact your organic rankings. Um, this speaks to the T in EAT. And now granted, I mean, there's some industries where there's a lot of spammers and if you search for your name or your business name plus scam, uh, you know, there's all these people that are competitors that are trying to fool you. What she's talking about is looking for legitimate bad business practices. Um, We worked with a site that was hit hard with, I think it was the August 1st medic update. And uh, one of the things that um, they advertise all over their homepage is that they're a free service uh, to do a certain thing. And when you get into the meat of the product, uh, you know, yeah, there's a free component to it, but really all the stuff they advertise is paid. Um, And, you know, you have to pay significantly for this. And that's not advertised anywhere. And I bet you if I did a search for this site, plus the word scam, uh, I would see people complaining about it. So that's the type of thing that you want to look at and, uh, and see, you know, are people complaining? Are people calling parts of your business a scam? And if so, it's possible that, and I think Google does this through natural language processing uh, and even possibly sentiment analysis, they may be determining, um, you know, whether certain businesses have trust issues based on uh, the legitimacy of posts like that. So let's see what else we can talk about here. Here's a great, uh, I'm going to leave that in the newsletter. There's a really cool tip for local link building by Brody Clark um, that you can find in newsletter. Uh, It's called Another Excellent Link Building Idea. Um, Again, mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Uh, Just because we're kind of running out of time, I've been going on for quite a while here. Uh, John Mueller was uh, commenting on the quality of subdomains. So let's say you have a site and you have um, on subdomains of the site, you have a forum. And that forum is full of thin content and low quality content. Then that forum, will it impact the um, the quality of your entire site? So John Mueller uh, said in a help hangout, uh, let's see here, that... Um, if they see that the subdomain is different from the core site in terms of quality, then they may just demote the subdomain itself. So in that case, if you had a low quality forum and, uh, you know, it, we if we did a site review and we were like, look, your forum is horrible, you're, uh, it's dragging the entire quality of the site down, it's possible that we could be wrong on that, that maybe Google will recognize that, oh, this forum itself is pretty bad, but the rest of the site is good. Um, And that happens sometimes. 
But Google can't always tell the difference and they can't always tell. Sometimes a subdomain is just another uh, section of the site. It could have very easily been a subfolder. Um, so you really don't want to have uh, sections, any sections of your site index that are potentially low quality uh, content. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we're gonna, there's some other little tips. I think this week's newsletter is like almost 6,000 words. So lots of uh, stuff to cover there. Somebody asked John Mueller about how important it was to have keywords in your URL structure. Um, he's answered this several times in the past. And it, it may possibly cause a slight boost, but it's not worth uh, going and changing your URLs to include keywords uh, because it would be negated by the fact that you'd have to redirect old URLs to the new ones. So if you're producing new content, then yeah, it makes sense to have some keywords in your URLs uh, for that content. Those of you who are using infinite scroll for news sites, uh, Google News sometimes has issue with this. Again, here's something John Mueller said. This is from a tweet from Glenn Gabe. For news websites, be careful with using infinite scroll where there are multiple articles per page. This can make it confusing for Google to determine which is the primary news article on the page. Um, and also there's multiple dates on the page. So I've seen a lot of news sites that do this. Actually, I was building a site a while back that uh, a site for myself that was going to use this infinite scroll. And I I, something in me stopped because I thought the same thing, you know, Google's going to get confused as to what um, content is on what URL. So if you're using this, I wouldn't just go switch, you know, because I said it, I think it involves doing some testing to make sure that um, Google's actually able to recognize what content is on what page. Um, Google said that there, John Mueller said that there, uh, over 50% of the sites on the web now have been moved to mobile first indexing. So interesting that it's only that much. It seems to be taking them a long time. Let's talk a little bit about this. Um, Moz is now starting to offer SEO certificates. I think, I think this is a good idea, although I'm not sure. Um, so the program is something where you pay, it's like $600. Um, it takes anywhere from a couple days to a week to finish. And you learn things like um, the fundamentals of SEO, how to develop a keyword strategy, on-page optimization, uh, link building, and uh, client reporting. The problem though is that it's not possible to, you know, it's not like you're going to learn everything about SEO in one week. Um, and so just because somebody's going to be certified uh, by Moz doesn't mean that they're going to be a great SEO <laughs> practitioner. Um, some of you know that I have a course on SEO that, uh, you know, I took it offline because my goal was to make it so that I could teach pretty much anybody the basics of SEO. Um, and then I realized it, it takes a long time to learn this stuff. And so now, you know, I have a whole team of people that learn with me in the office and uh, we're all learning every single day. So know that, you know, a one week certification course is certainly not going to give you an entire uh, education in how to do good search engine optimization. But uh, I still think it's a good idea. You know, if you have an employee that um, kind of is responsible for SEO and other things, uh, even yourself, if you're just getting started and you want to um, give a little bit more, you know, maybe this will build up your EAT. It's uh, the, the quality readers guidelines talk about certifications and um, schooling and stuff like that. So I think it's a cool idea and people should try it, uh, but I don't know much about the um, certification itself. 
Let's talk, um, let's see, I'm going to do a couple of Google My Business things and then we'll talk about this Wix. We'll finish it up with the Wix uh, contest. Um, there's potentially a bug in Google My Business uh, as Google's working on making the dashboard more responsive and uh, it's not, um, it's, things are not looking right. So, But apparently it's going to be fixed really fast. So if you're seeing weird stuff in GMB, that's probably why. And then this last thing for local SEO, uh, this is a really cool tip from the local search forum. Joy Hawkins tweeted about this. Uh, there was a discussion as to whether or not hiding your address in Google My Business would have a negative impact on your rankings. And uh, so this is what happens with service area businesses where, um, you know, let's say you run out of your house, your business, you don't want people turning up at your house, but then you go and you service multiple areas. Uh, and so a lot of people will hide their home address. According to Dan Leapson, he has seen a negative impact in rankings uh, for this. I haven't tested this myself, but those of you who run service area businesses or run SEO for them, it might be worth trying to uh, convince the client to potentially allow their um, uh, location to be um, uh, to be shown in Google My Business and not hidden. Uh, and that may potentially improve rankings. So let's talk about this Wix SEO contest. Uh, many of you will remember that, uh, and I think it was 2016, Wix ran a contest for um, to see who could rank number one for SEO hero. Uh, and I thought it was hilarious because a couple years before, um, when I rebranded my website from HIS Web Marketing to Marie Haynes Consulting, uh, I actually bought the domain name seohero.guru as a joke. And I put a quiz on this um, and... Uh, uh, and it basically was an, an, a way to announce that our business was rebranding. Um, and so I owned for a while seohero.guru. One of the people um, who was trying to win this contest actually bought that domain and, and they were disqualified because it was a previously owned domain. That was one of the rules. They have a new contest this year. And, and that contest had so much controversy over it because, and this is going to happen with this one too, I guarantee you, the sites that are ranking number one are going to get attempts at negative SEO. Um, and when people did that last time, Wix was like, well, you're trying to build unnatural links. And then the site owner was like, well, I didn't build them. Somebody else built them. And, and how are you going to prove that? You know? And so, um, it didn't go over well. Apparently, the winner last time did eventually get paid by Wix, but it took a long time. So the current contest is different, and here's how it works. Wix is going to create, uh, they've already bought two domain names. One is wixseolovers.com, and one is wixseohaters.com. And they're going to get, you have to apply to create either of the websites, um, and they're going to choose an SEO company and they're going to base it on things like how well that SEO company ranks. I, I don't understand why. And I don't know what they're going to like, do you rank for, I don't know, your city plus SEO. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think that's a good ind indicator of whether or not an SEO company is good or not. Cause like we're good, but oh, actually we rank for Canada. I think, I don't know. Anyhow, um, the point I'm trying to make here is like the criteria they're choosing don't really make sense to me. Um, and then they're going to choose two good SEO companies, one to run the lover site, one to run the haters site uh, and see which one outranks the other. And the site that uh, ranks number one out of those two is going to win $25,000. The site that ranks number two is going to win $10,000. Um, 
to me, so there, Wix is spending $35,000 uh, to get probably some high quality SEOs um, promoting their brand. <laughs> uh, I really, really hope that they're fair in who they choose. I mean, I could see them choosing a great SEO for the lover site and a bad SEO for the, uh, not a bad SEO, but an SEO with maybe not as much experience uh, for the hater site. I don't know. I think this is going to be an absolute bad thing. I, I, I don't think it's going to go well. With that said, our team was discussing whether we wanted to enter it. I you know I don't think it's going to go well, but I think you could learn a lot um, in trying to rank a site for stuff like this. Uh, and then just as we were discussing this, um, John Mueller tweeted, and uh, we'll have his exact quote in the uh, newsletter, but he basically tweeted, look, if you're looking at, if you're considering trying to enter an SEO contest, don't. <laughs> um, there's better things to spend your time on. So I included that in newsletter just because I thought it was super interesting. So we're going to end it there. This is probably one of our longest episodes of podcast. I usually try to keep it to half this length, but there's so much uh, interesting stuff that's been going on this week. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to be off to Florida. Uh, I'm actually leaving tomorrow, Thursday. And uh, if any of you are in the Orlando area, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, give me a shout out on Twitter. I'm not sure how much extra time I'll have. I'm just there for a couple of days. But um, And then I'm going to be in Boston in June for Semni and also Search Love. And I was really thrilled to be announced as a, a community speaker for MozCon. Um, this has been a goal for mine, uh, for, of mine for ever since my first MozCon, which I think was 2012. Um, and finally, uh, I got accepted. I'm going to be talking on Google's Quality Raiders guidelines. And I am so excited about, uh, about that. It's going to be a really, really good talk. Um, and I'm trying to get out of here early today because some of you know it's the last day of season eight for Fortnite and I am one tier away from tier 100. I've been working for months. I guess the season's like two and a half months long, right? Yeah. And if I don't get it today, I'm going to be frustrated. So that's how hopefully the end of my day will go today. Um, I really hope that uh, you're enjoying the podcast. Thank you for everybody who has left us a review. As always, if you want to contact us, it's Marie, um, sorry, mariehaines.com slash contact or help at mariehaines.com. And uh, our team would be happy to um, answer your questions and hopefully see if we can help you uh, rank better if that's one of your issues. Um, and I, whatever happens, I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week. <laughs>